The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You're listening to the Wellness Her Way podcast. I'm your host, Gracie Norton, and I'm so excited to provide you with a space where you get to shape what wellness feels like to you. Wellness Her Way is where we make a home of our body, mind, and soul instead of jumping on trends for short-term results. We've got one body. We're going to nourish it, love it, respect it, and embrace it through all its forms. Good morning. I hope your Monday is off to a great start. We're getting in our flow today with Amy Jean Greenacre. Amy's a holistic expert who really helps women tap into their true essence by guiding them to align with their cycle and unique rhythm. She goes into detail about cycle syncing as she explains each phase of our cycle and how we can best support our bodies over the course of the month. We also talk about her transition coming off birth control and how it affected her health. What I love about Amy is that she is so in tune with her feminine energy and knows how to help women embrace all the things that encompass womanhood. Her goal in everything she shares is to make sure that women can get to the root cause of the things that are blocking their flow so they can live in true alignment. This is such an empowering conversation, so let's get into it. We have Amy Jean Greenacre with us. I know you have a nickname. It's yes. Amy Greenshaker. Greenshaker. Right? Yeah. And why do they call you Amy Greenshaker? It's a great question. Yeah. Okay, it goes way back to when I was a teenager, probably my young 20s. And I basically dated a lot of DJ boyfriends. I had a DJ boyfriend at the time. And one of his best friends, I was just always, you know, one of the last person standing on the dance floor and so my nickname became green shaker they're like what's up shaker shaker i'm also australian so people love to give nicknames in australia so my last name's green acre and green shaker is just like a you know me dancing a lot on the dance floor so that i was my nickname was given to me as green shaker i love that and people think i so i think when twitter came out it was just i used it as my handle back in okay. the day back in the early whenever twitter came out and yeah it kind of stuck and so i think when i started my instagram i just carried on that nickname from twitter not really thinking of it as a business back then and then yeah i think long fast forward till now you know green juices, green matcha, all these like health and wellness things that I do, I think people assume that it has something to do with health and wellness, but it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just me being a raver and dancing on the dance floor. Amazing. I'm with <laughs> you. I love to dance. And I noticed that you share a ton of fun dances on your Instagram well, too. Well, I feel like that's come full circle now. Yeah. You know, I've come back to the thing that actually brings me the most amount of joy, which is dancing in a way that is actually super healing and really helpful for women and everyone, to be honest. I love that. A little bird told me that you entered the world birth by <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> And I saw this and I was like, I have to know about birth by orgasm. So tell me, is that what I think it is? It's exactly what you think okay. it is. <laughs> Can you explain? So, okay, I actually had no idea about this as well until I was 29 and I was studying holistic nutrition okay. and my mom was enrolled in the same course. So it's IIN, Institute of Integrity Nutrition. And I was living away from my, my mom was in Singapore at the time. And one of the topics is on by this famous doctor, Dr. Christine Northrup, all about being like a holistic obstetrician. And she was just sharing how like a lot of, you know, children's asthma, you know, breathing disorders or autoimmune conditions or gut conditions, things like this, usually come from how you're birthed into the world. And so they, if like you have any of these symptoms, go home and ask your mom what your birth story is. So I was like, 
okay. So that's exactly what I did. My mom was in the course, so it was kind of relevant to be able to ask her that. And she's like, wow, I've never actually shared this with you. She's like, you were birth fire and orgasm. And I was like, what? What does that even mean? And I don't think we were as close at the time to really go into as much detail. But basically she was reading books at the time. And yeah, it's a it's a way to naturally birth a child into the world. No pain relief or anything. And you're stimulating the pain points into pleasure, but also stimulating, you know, through through pleasure. Okay, so this wasn't an accident. It was something that she had intentionally for. planned. Okay. And I'm one of four girls, like one of four daughters. Yeah. And this was I was the only one that was birthed this way. This wasn't something that she had done before. I was I'm number three. So yeah, it was very unique, I think, for herself and also, you know, that I was the one that came into the world that way. Well, I need to call your mom I because know. when it's time to have kids, <laughs> instead of being in pain, I want to be having an orgasm Me as well. Too. So I need to take notes and figure out how to do that. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to call her after this. Okay, great. <laughs> I love that. And you're such a joyful, energetic person. Mm. It's one of the first things I noticed about you when I came across your socials. So I feel like that the way that you entered life has a lot to do with your personality. Honestly, and- like my whole life up until that point, made didn't make sense and then it made sense I was like like, oh my gosh that's why I'm this way why I'm like such a pleasure seeker and like cup is half full I was like yeah I came into the world in bliss and joy and and I think before that I was always trying to dim that like yay excitement for life and then I kind of I mean it still took me a while I think my 30s and as a woman you kind of come home to who you are and a little bit more comfortable in your skin but I think that the 20s is such a like pivotal time of like you know, am I doing it right kind of energy? Yeah. Yeah. And from my understanding, wellness has been a part of your life from such a young age. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with wellness and the things that your mom taught you growing up? Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, obviously she was practicing birth, fire Mm -hmm. and orgasm, which is not (laughs) a conventional way to have a child, which I wish it was. Um, Yeah. I have a lot to credit my mom for. She really um, even went away, went against the way she was raised. You know, she really went out there. It was also the 70s and 80s, you know, so a lot of this, you know, hippie movement was kind of... um, happening I guess and we are the children of that you know of that movement so my mom made some you know hard choices I think to raise us very alternative and it's not easy you know it's not easy to raise children you know we were naturally immunized which means we had to go through homeopathic medicine until the age of 11 where you have basically immunization but you're on these naturopathic drops until the age of 11 so that's how I was you know she made those choices that's a long time to commit to you know it is so those naturopathic drops is that something you would take when you got sick is it something you take regularly so for the immunization I think you take it quite a lot at the beginning of I don't again I'm not really aware of it until I have my own children and go down that route but you do you take it on your birthday every year until you're 11 and then yes she would also turn to we had a naturopathic doctor versus a traditional doctor if we were ever sick it would be you know basically rest food as medicine and if it got worse or anything else or a lot of we didn't really get sick to be completely honest we weren't a very you know I think the first time I ever went to the doctors was when I went on the contraceptive pill Mm -hmm. and then also the first time I ever went into hospital was having a procedure after being on the contraceptive pill so the only two times in my entire life that I had any kind of interaction with that you know western care so yeah I think just feeding us nourishing food, you know, very, very mindful of growing food in the garden. We cooked every meal at home. You know, it was very just homesteading, you know, back in the day. So That's incredible. And I know that she also had a lot of use of Chinese herbs and natural Mm -hmm. supplements Mm -hmm. and things like that. Are there any herbs specifically that you noticed made a really big difference when you were younger? Olive leaf extract. She would always give us olive leaf extract. We would always have, honestly, really real food more than anything. Like there was always fruits, vegetables, like orange, fresh orange juices and fresh juices and lots of, you know, vegetables. And we didn't really have meat growing up. We were predominantly plant-based, 
growing up, I'm pretty sure we had some fish and chicken on special occasions. So it was a really like, rain- I remember having like rainbow dinners, like rainbow salads so or rainbow beautiful. plates and yeah. it was more fun. So I think eating food is nutrients. But yeah, Chinese-based medicine, my uncle was an acupuncturist and if we were ever really sick, like having something long-term, we, we would go and get the herbs and the herbs were always these like big bags of brown. I don't know if you've ever worked with a Chinese medicine doctor before. I have, yeah. They smell terrible. It's like, they it's just do. like, you don't even know what they're getting. It's like all these, you know, concoctions of beautiful, you know, herbs mm-hmm. and, and you would have to drink them and it was really, you know, I didn't, don't re- I remember not enjoying it as a child. Yeah, it's definitely not an enjoyable flavor no. at all. no. Yeah, but I'm sure it helps a lot. It does. Oh, it does. that's great. Yeah. So I know you mentioned earlier that you the first time you went to see a Western medicine doctor mm-hmm. was when you were going to get on the contraceptive pill. So mm-hmm. I want to know what that transition looked like and kind of that that feeling that you had after that first appointment and mm-hmm. why you made the decision to get on the contraceptive pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was 16. I'm sure I went to a doctor, by the way. I'm sure we were, you know, uh, in touch with doctors, but we didn't go there tr- like regularly. Yes. You know, yeah. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. We weren't completely hippie growing out in the woods. You know, we would go to school and normal things. <laughs> so when I was 16, I was, I didn't get my period until I was 16. So I think it was around that same time. So I was a very late bloomer with regards to my period coming on. I was also a dancer. So I was very slim. I had, you know, really bad skin, but I was probably like sweaty and dancing and, you know, mm-hmm. all the things. And I probably, wasn't eating the best diet I think I remember I was lactose intolerant from birth so my mom had already told me that but you know as a teenager you just want to you know eat what everyone else is eating so Mm -hmm. I probably was having foods that were contributing to my acne but the main thing was that I had really bad acne very skinny and I didn't have a period really regularly and all of my girlfriends a lot of friends from school were you know taking control of their health and all their body and going to get on the pill I wasn't sexually active at the time, so it wasn't really for that, but it was for my skin. So I think it was out of vanity and it was out of wanting to fit in. And we have, I guess it's kind of like an urgent care, like a drop-in doctor's place you can go in, in Australia. And I remember going there and yeah, and just telling them and it was easy. It was the easiest thing I've ever done. They're like, okay, here you go. You know, this will help your skin. And I was on Diane, I think the pill, which is like the highest dosage in terms of uh, hormones. And I was on it from 16 to 23. Did it end up helping your acne? Completely. Okay. I mean, I was glowing, beautiful. And probably I filled out. Like I had breasts for the first time. Okay. And like, yeah, I filled out. And I was definitely, you know, in a state of permanently pregnant, you know, just glowing. And it's so interesting because I had a very similar experience when I got on the contraceptive pill. There weren't really any questions that were asked. No. It was so easy. It was almost like going to pick up, some I candy. don't know, like, <laughs> yeah, some candy or like a allergy medicine or something right. as simple as that. Yes. And I think... That experience right there just goes to show you, I mean, there's not a lot of education on the implications that can come with, you know, I'm not anti-birth control at all. And Mm. I think it has its place. But I think having that education Mm -hmm. and knowing what could potentially happen as a result of it, Mm -hmm. especially if you're on it for 10 years or so, it's really hard to transition coming off of it. So did you notice during that time period when you were on birth control, did it start to affect your mood? Did it affect your body in any way, brain fog or anything mm-hmm. like that? If I look back now, I was, because I teach this obviously now in mm-hmm. my work, and I and if I look back, I feel like I was just numb. I feel like I was just kind of going through the motions. Obviously, you're a teenager and you're a young woman, but I do remember I have always had, I'm quite reactive in a way, and I feel like it made me probably more reactive in a just a little bit like hormonal, you know, not feeling myself. And I definitely don't remember being like, super joyous. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of numb and disconnected from myself. I was like, I feel like I made really poor choices in those years, actually. (laughs) Thankfully, I was in two long-term relationships, like from 16 to 19 and 19 to 21. So I didn't make super poor (laughs) decisions. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely don't. 
I don't remember being as vibrant and as alive and as connected to myself and my body as I am now. If I look back, I feel like there's a giant disconnection and I wonder what choices I would have made with my life, whether it came to like university and, and career. I wonder if I would have made different choices if I was more present with myself, my intuition, you know, the thing that I feel like guides me so much now that I know. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't, you don't know what you don't know, but I, I do, you know, if I could go back and tell her what I know now, I wish I could, because there's just, again, not enough information out there at all for young women who are just, I feel like it's, it's so, how do you describe it? Com common. And it's just like, that's what you do. It's just what you do for contraception. There's almost it's like the this. same thing at my high school. It's like when you turn 16. Yeah. It's just that's, 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 that's what the next you do. That's step. It's like step. going to get your license. You exactly. just go get on birth control. Mm -hmm. yeah. Out of And I feel like the pressure was really on women to make that choice versus, you know, men. And I, feel, I still feel like that's why yeah. women are on it for so long is because there isn't another option for, for men as well. You know, if mm -hmm. you are in a relationship. Are you single and struggling with dating or in a long-term relationship and want to take that next step? Or maybe you've been together with your partner forever and you want to spice things up. We Met at Acme is a dating podcast for you. And I really hope you come check it out. I'm Lindsay Metzelar, and we have so much to talk about together. So check out We Met at Acme wherever you listen to podcasts. And I can't wait to meet you. So you were on it for quite a few years then, and mm -hmm. I'm sure after you decided to come off of the pill, your body went through an adjustment period. Can you talk about what that felt like? Well, I had the first and only hospitalization procedure that I've ever had in my life, and that happened at the age of 23. I had an irregular pap smear. What does an irregular pap smear look like? I think it's just cells that could potentially become cancerous. They're stage like three or four, so okay. it's kind of extra cell on the uteral lining. Personally, now that I know enough about the contraceptive pill, I feel like the pill was actually what caused this because I wasn't having natural hormones for my body to be producing anything irregular. So that's my, you know, guide on that. And so I had to go have a procedure called a Let's procedure where they burn out the lining of your uterus with like a, you know, they had to basically go inside and, and burn out the lining of those irregular cells. And I remember it was the first time ever going under general anesthetic or having anything as heavy as that in my body as well. And I was alone and I was in a hospital gown. I just remember waking up and traumatically like shaking, just shaking uncontrollably. It was like, what just happened? And I, again, looking back at the experience now, I was like, okay, I was coming off a general anesthetic. So that's a natural response when you come to. But I was alone and I was by myself and I was very young. And I felt like my sacred area, like my womb had been invaded. And I was like, I was, it was the most, yeah, shocking traumatic experience I think I'd ever had up until that age. And probably still now as well, when I think about it, and yeah, that was the turning point when I, you know, went back to the doctors to get a checkup after the, okay, it all went well, you know, all good. There's no irregular cells left. But seeing that you don't have a regular period, like we probably, you probably have PCOS and we're going to put you back on the pill. That's probably the safest. And I was like, and there was just like this intuitive prompt at that point. I was like, the pill caused this. And I don't, I, I like, I think my intuition was really activated at that point. Like that, that place in my womb that I was just like, I don't want to do that. So I think it was a year that I went back on it three months later, maybe six months later, because I was in a relationship and my skin was 
uncontrollable again. And I was like, ah, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Went back on it. And then I think we broke up and I was like, what am I doing? And then, so it was Just a- Just take it off. It was a, yeah, exactly. It was like contraception. Then I was like, no, I have to heal this properly. And it made me really depressed that time. I remember I obviously was going through a breakup too. And I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, I had a lot of brain fog mm-hmm. and birth control affected my mood mm-hmm. so, so much. Mm-hmm. I also want to know, you know, when you decided to finally stay off of mm-hmm. birth control, mm-hmm. Did you, what were the changes that you made in your nutrition or your lifestyle or how did you reconnect with your hormones and learn more about your cycle to really improve your health? That's a great question. I went back to how my mom used to cook. I moved out of home at 21, 22, and then this experience happened 22, 23. So it's all in this years of like quite transformative years of like growing up, moving out, you know, graduating from university was all at that same time. And I think I moved into my first ever house outside of my home that I grew up in. And I just remember like, I need to eat the way my mom taught me to eat. I remember just doing my own grocery shopping for the first time and just buying everything healthy, like my mom, big salads and yeah, roasting veggies and just like I wanted to eat healthy. So food was definitely, it was something that I had to do for the first time as well, or not had to do, but you know, wanted to do as well. It was something that I knew I needed to do. And I also was working in the PR and events space in Sydney. And a lot of my girlfriends were models. So they were very health conscious. And so they went down the like paleo, keto, Atkins, you know, diet route. And so I think I was influenced a lot by them anyway, cutting out gluten, cutting out. They were pretty dairy heavy, actually. They were pretty, you know, okay with dairy but and meats and everything like that. And I never been raised with meats. I was like, that's a bit, you know, but it was definitely influenced by both my mom and how I was raised and then also my girlfriends that were like in this phase of like their bodies were their job you know so I was hanging out with all them I was never a model I didn't do anything like that but I was learning from them and influenced by them as well you know for detoxes and classes and all that kind of stuff. And do you feel like this this transition coming off birth control do you feel like it had an impact on your gut health as well as your hormone health? That's the one thing that I would go back and like try and tell every woman I'm Mm -hmm. like my gut has never been the same like it will never been the same. I guess you don't even know what you did prior to that point. But I know that my gut issues, I know what the pill does to it. It eats away at the beautiful, precious gut lining that you need to be able to digest food. And so asking, when I studied at IAN and they said, ask your mom about your birth story because gut dysbiosis can come from also not being birthed naturally and things like that, just not having the right microbiome. And the contraceptive pill literally wears away at that beautiful, precious lining that we need. And so I know that I have still healing my gut seven years on, you know, after coming off it and replenishing everything that was depleted from our beautiful body because of the pill. Yeah, a lot of my friends in college, and now that you've said that, it's I can completely relate this back to being on birth control. We would feel so bloated Mm -hmm. after we ate, Mm -hmm. and none of us knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like one friend. It was like all of us were having the same experience. We would eat, and you know, an hour after eating, we would have so much inflammation. We would feel sick, and then we would just take Tums. Or, and then just hope that it would go away and we didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But we were all on birth control mm-hmm. and having that exact same experience. So totally. I, I think understanding the impact that it can have on your gut lining is so important. But those things we were just not taught no, before you get on the pill. And how important gut, gut microbiome is. Like right. it's everything. It's our second brain. It makes us choose, you know, when we have a clear, open and healthy gut, it, we should be able to eat anything. We shouldn't have to remove certain food groups and things like that. And I have to because I do get quite sensitive because I don't have a fully healthy, strong gut like I should. 
I'm pretty good these days. I think there's so many other factors now that I'm aware of that also have contributed to it. So I don't want to like blame the pill for everything. Mm -hmm. It's nice to do that. (laughs) Just be like, oh, you know, the pill did this. But any medication anyway, you know, regularly taking Advil or Tylenol or any of these um, pain relieving medications also have that effect on the gut. So, you know, and any other medication you're taking regularly, it's a synthetic um, chemical that the body has to process. And so the liver and all of our beautiful organs in our stomach take the toll on doing that. And, you know, you want to be not having those things in our body. You want to be you want to be feeling good. And it starts with having a really healthy gut to digest really good food. So you have the energy to be optimized and living like, you know, in flow, as I always say. You yeah. know? But it, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger picture. It's a 360 approach to health. And I don't think we can just blame the pill on, on one that. thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we were drinking alcohol and <laughs> oh, yeah, there's super stressed factors. about our exams and yeah. boys and all the other things that contribute to stress that's also exactly. metabolized in the stomach. So when you were working on repairing that gut lining, were there specific supplements outside of nutrition? Mm Because I know we talked about the changes you made in your nutrition. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that really helped repair that gut lining and balance your microbiome? Something that I, I always share with my clients, but bone broth. I love bone broth. Yeah, bone broth for me has been like liquid gold, really, really healing and nourishing. Also quitting coffee was a big uh, change for my gut because I was just such a highly strung... I've got a lot of energy as it is, and, and <laughs> caffeine was um, something that definitely uh, I could feel the acidity in my body. So the moment I quit coffee as well, I noticed how much s- soother, <laughs> soothing it was on my stomach as well. I switched to matcha and yes. combining my matcha with a fat. So I use coconut oil in my matcha instead of, what do you call it, milk. And I make like a fatty latte so that even just metabolizing the caffeine with a fat, adding more fats to your diet, I think has been, is probably the one of the best ways to give that really nourishing gut like lining that we really is, makes everything smoother and easier to digest. And I think fat for women is one of those things that like really helps everything. You know, it helps our hormones, helps our skin, our hair, our nails. So, and it starts in the gut if we're not absorbing everything. So it kind of adds this beautiful lining. So bone broth definitely is something that I would say has been a cure all. There's this incredible bone broth diet you can do where you drink it first thing in the morning, afternoon, and evening, and you're just adding all of these extra minerals and nutrients, especially if you're making it at home. So you drink it multiple times a day? When you you can do it like a, a, a reset okay. to yeah to replenish your gut microbiome and your gut lining. I like to make it in the winter times and have it, you know, just as like a snack sometimes. It's like drinking a hug. I love starting it's my day so with bone broth. It's, it's so good. I love making it though. So I yeah. have an old school stock pot. Yeah, tell me how you make it. Okay. I buy chicken from Air One, a rotisserie <laughs> chicken from Air One at least once a week. Okay. And it's the best rotisserie chicken. And the thing is with when you make bone broth, you want to make sure that the chicken itself is organic and you're getting good bones and good cartilage and all the fat you don't really want to have something that's got hormones or other things in it so i always buy air one chicken and then when you you get the carcass of the chicken you could just pop that in a, a slow cooker you can also just do it on your stove in a big pot all of your veggie scraps or you know carrot celery onion if you want to make it more asian ginger turmeric uh, garlic, and you can put fresh herbs in it, rosemary, thyme, whatever you have on hand. I like to like mix up my flavors. Sometimes star anise is really nice, mm. black peppercorns. And then you just fill it up with water with a dash of apple cider vinegar. Pop your slow cooker on. I leave it there ov- overnight or till the next day. Drain it out. That's it. Yeah, that sounds salt. delicious. It's I'm so good. going to have to snag the full <laughs> recipe from you after this because I want to make it. Usually I'll just use kettle on fire or I'll do like a powder beef bone broth when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. But I completely agree. I feel like it sets my stomach up for good digestion. Mm-hmm. Protein is also great for hormone health, especially first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you on yeah. the bone broth train. <laughs> so, so good. Mm. I also want to talk about, you know, the changes that you made in aligning with 
finding your true superpower as a woman. You talk a lot about being in your flow state. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to you to be in your flow state? (sighs) I think it's really about number one, being at peace in your body. And I think being at peace in your body as a woman, it's about owning your superpower, which is your flow. Like your period is our superpower or it is the thing that we have been gifted with as a woman, right? It makes us different. We're set apart from men. We have the ability to create life. And that should be something that we honor and something that we really, you know, respect and and take as a gift and really like treat it with that kind of respect. I um, think that perspective is so important because when we're younger, we're taught that it's a burden. It's a burden. Escape we're, it. We're take taught, the pill. You know, you're going to have cramps. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's it's a pain in the ass every single month. You're going to have to worry about it. So I think what you just said, <clears throat> understanding that it's a gift mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah. And again, I didn't know this either. This is something that I, I feel like I've only learned since studying holistic nutrition Okay, so physically in your body, I think is is a is a first part of this like being in flow, and as a woman, being in touch with what's going on in your body and understanding why you are the way you are and why you feel the way you feel, really comes home to honoring your period cycle. I think that's a really easy way to like come home to your own internal rhythm, which is your flow. Then there is another gift that we're all given, which is like, what is it that you came here on earth to do? Like, what is it that is your passion or your joy or the thing that lights you up most in the world? And how are you using those gifts? Are you being of service with them? Are you giving them out in the world? Are you hosting a podcast? Are you showing up, you know, and sharing with the the world what lights you up? And that can be anything. It can be art, music, writing, you know, taking care of people, the elderly. Like there's so many things that is such a beautiful way to, that you might find really easy to do and it just brings you joy. Being in flow is really doing that in with your life and it doesn't mean you have to do it for your job either just making sure that you are being you know giving this energy and it's like this reciprocity with the world that's what i see also as flow and when i work with clients so i was a chef for like five or six years and when i was working with clients one-on-one everyone was coming to me for like food issues and health issues and their body issues and while i was working with them i was you know, having conversations, you, you kind of get to the root causes of where are these health symptoms coming from. And it has nothing to do with food. Yes, a little bit. Foundation, of course, 100%. Food is the most important thing because it's fuel and it's energy. And yes, it can really set us off if we're not having the right things. But it's the setting off part that I'm more curious about. Why is your body doing that? And when you're not in flow with your life, if there's any other stress going on in your life or any other things that are blocking you from doing the thing that you are meant to be doing with your energy, that's what causes this this blocked energy and, and health issues stem from that, basically. It's like a blocked flow of energy in your life. And that's that reciprocity. So I usually talk to my clients. And so now I'm, I'm working with clients predominantly around like, well, okay, well, what is it? Why do you feel blocked? What's going on in life? And they might have health issues. So I'll ask them what's going at the root of that. And usually it's because there's some form of stress or I don't know, I don't know how to describe it other than like a root cause and it's got nothing to do with, you know, their food. It's usually some form of family issue or relationship issue or career issue or financial issue or safety issue or self, you know, love issue. It's it's all of the emotional and mental parts of being a human that causes us to be sick in our body because it's what we bottle in and we hold in and it's all of this like blocked energy. And I think being in flow is when you are able to clear a lot of that stuff that's going on in your life and become aware and conscious and have a clean vessel that it moves through you. So it's like an energetic thing. So physically being in flow is like taking care of the body, mm-hmm. but energetically and emotionally and mentally being in flow is is equally as important, even if not 
more important. But it goes hand in hand. You know, we, we can work on that. And you also have to, you can't just be lazy and not eat well and take yes. care of the vessel. This is our vessel, right? And our body is meant to be strong and healthy and 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 happy and moving and like having a good time here on earth so it's you want your body to be in good shape and 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 functioning but to have that you have to remove some of these emotional and mental stuff that's going on in the body as well yeah stress was such a big one for me and i had a conversation with my integrative medicine doctor about this just like the gut brain connection and you think you know i'm eating all the right things yeah. i'm you know i'm working out every single day what's happening i'm still feeling sick to my stomach and it's exactly what you just said yeah. it's so much more sometimes yes nutrition is so important move it's important but these outside factors that we're so unaware of that mm -hmm. can throw off the way we're digesting food mm -hmm. for example exactly. it's like it's so important to understand that these are things that can have such an impact on our health too mm -hmm. and i want to go back to uh, the first segment that we were talking about with finding your flow mm. and dive more into understanding your period and how that can be your superpower so can you break down you talk so much about cycle syncing mm -hmm. which is a topic i am so passionate mm -hmm. about can you break down what cycle syncing is and go into detail about each phase of the cycle and absolutely. how we can connect more with our period absolutely so cycle syncing is for women to basically design their life, their the way they eat, the way they move, and how they can show up with life around their period cycle. So that's what cycle syncing is described as. And so it really takes in all those different areas. And so there's four different phases. As women, we so there's the infradian rhythm and then the circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm is a 24-hour clock. It's what we all, men and women, operate by. It's, it's operated by the darkness and the light. So when the sun rises and the sun sets. So we all have that 24-hour circadian rhythm, which is really important for our hormones as well to be connected to that. And then as women, we have an infradian clock as well, which is a 28-day cycle, which is our internal rhythm. And that's the part that we really need to honor and really respect and understand that we also have a different way of operating other than men who just work on the 24-hour clock. So having a 28 to 35-day cycle, anywhere between that, is what we should be kind of planning our life out around and understanding it and really mapping out, okay, where am I at in my cycle? And there are four different phases, and I like to call them seasons. Um, oh, I been, love that too. Yeah, yeah. They've been called seasons. Yeah. So there's four different seasons. Day one of your period is the day that you start bleeding, and that's your menstruation. And that is from about you know one to six, one to five days. And that is your winter. So that is a time where really you should be doing nothing but cozying up inside with a blanket and a tea and really not going out and doing much if you can. That's the ideal. Even if you do have to work or you do have to show up for certain things, how can you approach life with more care? Like it's snowing and it's icy outside on the road and it's winter time. Like just be more delicate, dress more, you know, just be prepared for that internal winter, you know, just really understanding. And I love talking about the seasons because you are slower in the winter and you do tend to eat more, you know, nourishing foods or taking it more slow. So even if you can't take the day off or take those time off to go inwards and do nothing, which I highly recommend if you can, just take that approach, you know, take that approach, be slower with yourself, be more gentle, like it's snowy and icy on the roads kind of thing. So that's a great way to look at it. And it's also the lowest point where you, all your hormones will drop as well. And then we go into the first stage of follicular stage. So that is usually from around day seven to 14. And the follicular stage is where we are releasing our 
FSH, follicular stimulating hormone. And it's basically where estrogen starts being produced in the body and we are going to release an egg to have a baby. And that's your springtime. And springtime is, it's gentle. You're just, you know, you're kind of taking off the layers. You're also just coming out of, you know, this this internal shedding that you've just done, cleansing off everything. And springtime is thinking about it. You know, you want to start feeling fresh, spring cleaning, getting organized and using your energy to do that as well. So it's a really great time of the month to, you know, use your energy. You don't want to be too extroverted or uh, using too much energy because you don't have a lot of good hormones in your body yet. You're kind of building up again. So just understanding how those hormones are going to make you feel as well and what's the best use of your energy and what you should be eating and what you should be exercising at that time of the month, I would say is... I didn't mention as well in the winter time, but really anything that's going to help your iron, I think is really good at that time. I also love anything that looks like the color blood, like beets and reds, yes. because they're very high in antioxidants. They're going to help flush out and cleanse. Springtime is really beautiful to start increasing good fats back in the diet, but also crucious vegetables and things like that. So like broccoli, cauliflower. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anything that's going to replenish basically your body with, again, nutrients and fiber is really good. And you can add in pumpkin seeds and flax seeds if you have heard about seed cycle. Yes. Yeah. So pumpkin seeds helps with estrogen production. Flax seeds help you metabolize them. So two seeds that you can add. There's not a lot of like information out there around seed cycling, but it's a really beautiful Ayurvedic practice. So that's something that is also good to eat around your springtime. And then you're going to get to the peak of your cycle, which is ovulation around day 14, 15. And it's only a 24 hour window where we release the egg and it lasts in the body for four to five days well they say five to six days is the only time that you can actually fall pregnant it's your summer it's the peak of your ovulation where you are hair skin nails everything is glowing it's i feel so good when i'm ovulating i feel my sexiest i'm my most confident i have the most energy how do you feel i feel great i feel great it's a great time to like do podcasts or have meetings or take, you know, celebrate your birthday or whatever you're going to do. It's a really great time to be out and about. Your body also wants to be out and about. So I want to, I haven't really shared much around the, like the exercise part as well, but like ovulation, like if you can't sit and be inside, don't go use that energy. You know, you should be out and about, you should be being, you know, flirty and fun and dancing and using that energy because you are at that peak. So use those hormones appropriately. Great time, weights, workouts, like all those things. You're going to have a lot of estrogen in the body as well. But again, eating is majority of the time throughout your cycle, healthy fruits and vegetables and good protein is a real way to just really support the body. And then after that, we start to dip. And the luteal phase will start to kick in. So we have the luteal hormone that kicks in at that point, which increases progesterone. And that basically eats away the estrogen and balances it out. But it also nourishes the lining of the uterus, which is getting us prepared to have a baby. If we're not going to have a baby, then the progesterone just basically builds up the entire time. So that's when we start to build. I like to call it a little boop at the bottom. Yeah, I don't feel great belly. during my luteal. Honestly, my luteal phase is kind of worse than my menstrual phase. Like that, that week leading up to my menstrual cycle. Yes is almost worse than menstrual cycle itself. And like how, okay, so this is cycle syncing. Honor that, you know? Right. Right. But the craziest part is it's 14 days long. It's not just like a week. We it's have the, 14 the days. Phase? It's the longest oh my, phase. Oh it's the gosh. worst phase. Yeah. I have to say that from ovulation, the first week, the first seven days of your luteal, I'm kind of still good. I got right, energy. Same, I'm same. still good. I'm still riding the estrogen. Yeah. Woohoo, let's look beautiful and like do things. But then I start to like, 
you know, <laughs> I want to say glitch out a little bit or well, start to feel <laughs> it's like a robot. It's eyes. like I start to feel a bit, oh, I'm definitely like it's dipping. Damn, yeah. the estrogen's wearing off and now I'm, you know, getting a bit lower. So how do you honor that? You know, how do you, what do you do throughout that phase? I would stay still, you know, high workouts are good or, you know, cardio is really good. Keep moving through those hormones. If you're feeling the dip starting to happen, keeping your happy hormones, your endorphins like up at those levels is really important. Eating clean food is really important. Don't turn to those like, you know, junk food cravings that you're going to have because you have a lot of hormones in your body and it's basically getting ready to shed. So it's all moving down into the uterus. It's all there just like lingering in our body until we bleed again. But the first seven days definitely is still like, it's like kind of, you know, still good. And then you're going to dip very much at the end of the phase and eating some good grounded foods are really great in that time of the month. So root vegetables are fantastic because they're full of carbohydrates. You're going to have cravings. You want to be nourishing yourself. It's our autumn phase as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention that autumn or fall. So eat foods that actually are really good in autumn or fall. You know, root vegetables, grounding foods are really good, like slow cooked stews and anything with meats and stuff like that. Anything that's really going to be really grounding. And also there's uh, the seed cycling. You want to be adding in sesame seeds. Yes. I think the biggest thing for me when I first started cycle singing, I focused a lot on my luteal phase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn how to prep my body for a more smooth menstrual phase yes. because I think as women, we're just taught to deal with the symptoms mm -hmm. of our menstrual phase. And I think, you know, just expect the cramps, take your all, just know that it's going to be an awful week mm -hmm. instead of being like, hey, here are the things that we can do to show our bodies love and really prep our bodies for this period so that we can not be in hell the whole week exactly. but i think we're just taught that this is you know that that's how we have to feel during mm -hmm. that time so what are some things that we can do during our luteal phase to prep our body for an easier or i guess less painful menstrual yeah. cycle it's the whole month. Like, honestly, it's the whole month. I always encourage my clients when they're having a really strong symptoms around their menstruation, I ask them to look back. What what did you do this month? Like, what happened over the entire course of the month? Because everything you do, we start to not only build, like, hormones, we're building up energy as well. So any partners that we have, mm -hmm. we take on their energy. If any stress that you're also taking on throughout the month, you're taking it inside. Anything that you're going through, we, we hold it in our womb space. Like, it's very much our... Our, it's our superpowers because we're the ability to feel everything. We're super intuitive, super sensitive, and that's why it's our superpower. But it's also important to not hold and store too much there. So for the luteal phase, I would say keeping your diet as clean as possible, trying to avoid alcohol, trying to avoid too much anything that is synthetic. So any type of, you know, synthetic things. I don't know how else to describe that. Drugs. <laughs> alcohol, yeah, sugars, caffeine, anything that basically takes you out of your natural state of being, you're going to accumulate it in the body and you're probably going to want more of it. It's very addictive substances as well. So trying to stay as clean as possible, keep moving your body. Don't not not move. The more you move, you help your lymphatic system does its job by cleansing out toxins. So if you are accumulating any of those things, the lymphatic system does its job as well. Getting enough sleep, resting more than normal is really important. Sticking with the circadian rhythm, not being on your phone and lights to really Really interrupt that beautiful flow. Sleep is so important for women and our hormones. So if you're not getting enough sleep and you're having all of these like different stimulants, your body's going to be feeling edgy as it is, right? So if you can remove the stresses in your life, which can be food, which can be external people, you know, things that are going on, if you can just be more gentle with yourself and don't get stuck in it or don't make yourself more reactive than you're already going to be feeling because of the hormone buildup going on in your body. Yeah. One of the questions that I see a lot come through too is that this 
understanding your phases and knowing what to eat and how to exercise can be really overwhelming at first. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's very new to cycle syncing, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend as the best place to start? Mm, That's a good question. What is the best place to start? Listening and tracking your cycle with an app is a really great start. Listening, I think, is we can give you all of the tools and all of the like, do this, do that. And I think that it's so by your individual. It's up to you to know your body and what's going on in your body more than anything else. So tracking your cycle the first day of your bleed is day one. Um, Ovulation is going to be around 14 days after that. And see how you feel. Like really just tune in. And and if you can track it, one of the best ways to also sync your body with nature is syncing with the moon, the moon cycles. I want to ask you about this (laughs) because I don't know anything about syncing with the moon. So can you talk a little bit about that too? Absolutely. So back in the day when we weren't living in buildings and completely disconnected from nature, we were in sync. Women were in sync with the moon cycles because going back to the circadian rhythms, we have, you know, sunlight and daylight, sunlight and dark light, dark light, darkness <laughs> throughout the day. And the moon phase is cyclical as well. So it actually follows the 28 day rhythm, the same as a woman's body. And on the full moon, when the sky was more bright, we weren't um, developing as much melatonin, which means that we were actually more prone to ovulating at that stage. And then we would uh, bleed on the new moon when there's no moon in the sky, just purely from the light factor. So light is such an important part of our health and eating with the rhythm of the sunlight's energy, eating with the seasons and just being more in touch with nature. Honestly, it's the number one thing that you can do to harmonize your body as a woman, both from a food perspective, from a feminine energy perspective, slowing down and taking on the pace of nature, spending more time outside in nature, not being as connected to like screens and lights. If you want to be in harmony with the moon cycles, like tune into when it, it was the new moon yesterday. So my, a lot of women might have been bleeding at that time. You know, if you are as um, I was, you were, <laughs> yeah. you're a witchy. I'm about to bleed any day. Olivia was too. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah. are we all synced up? We were all synced What's up. What's going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm due yesterday, today or tomorrow. Like it's coming any minute now. My boyfriend also leaves tomorrow. So I think my body's just like waiting one more day. Yeah, I'll wait for you. <laughs> I'll wait one more day. So yeah, bleeding on the new moon is you're really in sync with nature and it can switch as well. Bleeding on the new moon is the winter time, right? So it's a yin. There's no sky. There's no moon in the sky. And that's also known as the winter time. Ovulation is summer. And the, when the full moon's there, it's more expansive. And we're also just very cyclical in nature. So understanding our own rhythm, like tuning in with the moon, tuning in with the sun every day and spending more time in nature honestly is like the one thing that would bring us back to more in harmony with ourselves because it you just feel it you feel more connected to something bigger than yourself and you, you anyone feels that when they go right in and it's such a simple thing I think sometimes we look at you know all these other things that we should be doing or whether it's supplements or you know the next trend and then it's just like nature is always there it's the most sunlight, consistent thing sunlight's always there every day well, Every day. Most of the time. Depending Unless on where you, live, you live. live in Venice in the middle of <laughs> yeah. summer. It wasn't right. here this year. <laughs> but I think getting outside is so important. That's why I'm like so happy with my move to Florida. Mm. Like waking up and just being in sunlight has made such a big difference on in my mood. mood. It's such a big difference. This is what we have to understand. The sunlight is, and the, and also darkness. We need melatonin production at nighttime as well so that our hormones do what they need to do overnight, which is rest and digest and give your body what it needs so that you wake up with cortisol spike in the morning naturally, you know, not from having a coffee. And that's the sunlight and the moonlight. Like that's how we should be cyclically living with the circadian rhythms. I studied solar nutrition, which is eating in time with the sun. So another really great tip is actually eating foods that, again, I always say, 
local and seasonal, eat foods that grow where you're from because just like we're a living organism, we live in the same environment with the air and the quality of the environment. We want to eat the foods from where we where we grow, where we physically grow and physically live. And solar nutrition is is following the chronobiology. It's following the, the circadian rhythm of the sunlight's energy. And in the morning, we need energy. So eating foods that give us energy in the morning and optimizing our energy. In the daytime, it should be our biggest meal of the day. When the sun is stable, our agni, our fire, has the most energy to digest a bigger meal. And in Ayurvedic and Chinese-based medicine, the biggest meal of the day is at lunchtime. And then as the sun is setting, it goes down and it's going underground. You want to be slowing down your energy. You want to be starting to get ready to sleep, rest, and digest. So eating foods that grow close to the ground, that are really rooted and grounding for you as you sleep. And eggs and fish are actually really fantastic. But you want to have light, light meal at nighttime. It should be the smallest meal of the day. So you kind of go peak, stable, trough. And that's solar nutrition, eating with the sunlight's energy and then resting and letting your lymphatic system do what it's meant to do. Cleanse, rejuvenate your hair, your skin, your nails, your cells. And you wake up and you're like, ding, let's go. As soon as the sun rises, you should be waking up naturally. That's that's the the goal, you know? Yeah, I've noticed in the past whenever I have a big meal before bed, I never wake up feeling like I have a, a clear mind. Yeah. I feel kind of groggy. Mm-hmm. So I think switching to that lighter meal in the evening. And then I know you mentioned eating foods that give you energy in the morning. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of what some of those foods may be, especially if you're wanting to cut back on caffeine? Yes. Coffee actually grows on trees. So we're good. Coffee. Okay, so yay. The first, in terms of solar nutrition, just the chefing school that I went to and how I was trained, it is anything that grows on trees. So trees get sunlight's first energy in the morning. So the things that grow on trees are fruits, fruits, coconuts, cacao actually, coffee grows on trees. And so fruits is the best thing to eat first in the morning. And nuts also also grow on trees. And they give you energy. And this went totally against all my like girlfriends who don't eat fruits in Australia. They're like, fruit's the enemy, don't eat fruit. And then once I started to realize like eating fruit first thing on an empty stomach is actually the best time of the day to eat it because you're waking up naturally with mother nature's hydrating. It breaks the fast, it hydrates your body, gives your gut microbiome the beautiful amount of natural fiber and sugars that it needs to thrive. And you use the energy, you use the blood sugar to wake up. So it's actually the best time of the day to eat fruit by itself. Self, not combining it with anything else and it's delicious especially if you're eating seasonal fruits like you eat the right fruits at the right time of the year not eating you know for example in california mangoes and bananas don't grow here and, and pineapples and all of these tropical fruits are really sugary and they're really wet and so they're great if you live in tropical places where you're losing a lot of sugar from the heat right so you these tropical fruits are perfect if you're in tropical places like florida California, you wake up, it's cold. It's a desert. So you don't want to be eating these fruits in the morning. You want to be eating things that grow here, which are at the moment, apples and pears and oranges. And California citrus is is wonderful. Also really great for the wintertime, gives you the nutrients that you need. And in the summertime, we have stone fruits here, you know, which are incredible. And when you eat food that's it's seasonal and at the right time of the year, it's also the most delicious thing that you can put in your body. So I love starting the day with fruit. So I've got bone broth and fruit yeah, to start the day. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it depends on when you wake up and what time your body naturally wants to eat. Like I eat my fruit probably around more like 9, 10. I'll mm-hmm. have like a bone broth and a warm drink and my green shaker matcha I always have in the morning. <laughs> I need to try your matcha recipe too because I have a feeling it's, it's really going to be incredible. <laughs> I love that. And then just in terms of like feminine energy, that's how I kind of want to end our conversation because okay. I can tell just from looking at your social mm-hmm. media that you're so in tune not only with your body but just your own feminine feminine energy. Mm. How can women lean into that? What does it look like to be in line with your feminine energy? Mm. It's a great question. And I think it's a journey. It's a journey of self-love. It's a journey of trusting your timing as well. Growth 
leaning into the discomfort of things that you might not like about yourself that either you need to come home to and accept with a lot of conscious like love is the best way to describe it or if you want to change something in your life don't be afraid to like go out there and risk it and and really put yourself first to yeah just you know be the best being the best version of yourself is is about constantly refining and growing and evolving and I think as a woman you know honoring that we are women and that we were put here on earth to be soft and to be feminine and I was not raised that way I was raised completely you know in an equality time which we all have been if we're born in the 80s and 90s and above we all have the equal opportunity to be just as successful and just as powerful as men and I'm not saying that that's not possible but it's coming at a cost to our physical bodies and so honoring I think your cycle is a beautiful way to just tune into that femininity of just I am a tender being that needs more nourishment and care and the more that you put that first as an important when you're making decisions not saying yes to everybody else in your life and really just being like no I I matter and I I don't physically have the energy to do that right now so I'll get back to you or I'll do that another time so I think the it's it's a it's a dance it's an absolute dance with yeah. life itself it's a dance with your own fears and insecurities and really just like learning how to come home to loving them it's a dance with society and, and conditioning and limiting beliefs and and challenging them but it really I don't think it's that complicated either it's just about joy and fun and play and pleasure and I think the divine feminine essence I learned a lot about this when I was working at women's retreats and it was about coming there, taking off the masks and the responsibilities that we had to wear in the real world and coming together as women and literally being at, being bare with one another and opening our hearts up vulnerably and sharing our biggest fears and understanding that we all had the same ones. I think knowing that you're not alone is so important as a woman. Totally. Yeah. And these women retreats were also in nature. We were naked swimming in the sea, you know, sunbathing naked, having your body exposed to the elements. It allows you to love your body as a lot. I think we cover ourselves up a lot, which we're disconnected from this beautiful vessel. You know, I come back to the self-love that we have. Yes, it's about internal, but it's also this physical body as well. And how can you love on it more? And I think when you expose yourself to the elements and other women and you see, oh, wow, we're similar, you know, we have similar body shapes or, you know, there's so much to like self-image and self-love. And I think there's so much pressure to look a certain way and we try and change how we look so bad, like so, oh my gosh, it's like I live in LA. It's like one of the most common things here. I, I have a real challenge with it. Like I, I just want to age gracefully. I don't want to get Botox and fillers and all these things. I'm like, but I feel like I can't compete. You know, everyone's just trying to change themselves into right. looking a certain way. I'm like, why can't we just, we're all doing it to each other as women we we're just like you know making this unrealistic expectation so it really comes down to like how can I just love myself even without anyone else's kind of opinion or expectation or beliefs you know how can I just come back to who I really am and it's okay if I have a lot of energy and I'm happy like yeah I was birthright and orgasm that's great like knowing who you are and just really just honoring this is who I am and I love who I am and if you don't like something about yourself change you know do the work go in go inward and and really ask yourself why you are this way and work with someone hire a coach or work with someone to help you become that version of yourself look to other people who are doing what you want to do in your life follow your passions follow your dreams like that lights you up and when you're when you're lit up from the inside out doing what you love in life you glow differently you, you feel do. differently you show up in the world differently people see your energy and you're like oh wow and you're like yeah because 
joy and play and flow is is all interconnected. And then you start to attract that into your life as well. Totally. So when you start to feel, I've noticed that recently too, you attract so many amazing people into your life when you're exuding that. And they always say to even like looking at the, the lens through relationship, it's like, I want somebody who's happy. I want somebody who's energetic. I feel like you always have to become that first totally. instead of, you know, wishing for somebody like that to come into your life. So I think being, being that person and exuding that just invites so many other amazing things into your life. It's so true. It's yeah. like, like attracts like. Yes, yeah. exactly. And That's such great advice. And I know at the beginning of the episode, you had just said, I can't remember if we were recording yet, but that you felt like, you know, in your 20s mm. as a woman, just like you don't really know, you know, sometimes like who you are all the way. And then you were saying now you just feel at home in your own body. So is there, as I'm in my in my 20s, is there a note or a piece of advice you can give to me and women in their 20s to, to kind of get more to that place? Be in your 20s. Be in my 20s. Enjoy okay. it and just enjoy every single day and learn and do the best that you can because life is long and you're going to go through many different phases and chapters of your life and don't rush. Just be really present. Like don't, I feel like in my 20s, the one thing that I was doing, I was rushing to like try and get to this place that like it doesn't exist. It exists every day in just being present with what is and just show up learn as much as you can, live as much as you can, enjoy it. Be, you're not going to have your 20s ever again. So like be in your 20s, like really, really live it to every day and know that, yeah, life is long. So don't worry, it's coming and you're going to evolve and change. And that's beautiful, you know, just embracing that. And I think that's an important thing, allowing yourself to change. You know, you might, yeah. you might be one version of yourself now and that's also, it's okay if you do change. Change is inevitable and it's the most beautiful thing if you allow it versus like resisting, resisting it. it. Yeah. 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 I love that. Mm. This conversation has been so healing for me. Aww. I've learned so much. I really connect with your energy. I hope you guys also love this episode, but I want to let people know where to find you, how to work with you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have any retreats coming up, but can you share all of your information? Your energy is also really beautiful, oh, really beautiful, you. very grounded. So thank <laughs> you for having me here today. So I'm a holistic women's practitioner. I work with women one-on-one, usually in like a 90-day package. It's a container that takes, you know, the amount of time to get to those root causes we were talking about and then applying specific practices to them them as a bi-individual, them as like who they are. And I usually work with women who are kind of really type A or in their masculine who want to come home to their feminine and learn about, you know, these things that they never got to learn about because they're too much in their masculine. I help women heal coming off contraception. It's a big part of the work that I do, helping women come home to their cycle and understanding their bodies more. And I actually work a lot with women who are like in their yin too much in their yin, too much in their feminine. So like healers, yoga teachers, coaches and things like that who actually need to step into their masculine. How do they show up and show up for their dreams and their goals? And I work with them a lot actually around like marketing strategy and business consulting. So I work with women on lots of different areas. I think that would be my three most common ways that I work with women balancing their masculine or balancing their feminine or if they want to come off contraception and heal their body. And I actually created my first ever course this year. I'm in the middle of it right now. It's called Nourish Your Flow. And it's an eight-week program for – it's a group coaching program. It's the first time I ever wanted to work with women as a group. It's so beautiful. And it's basically all of that I've – everything that I've learned from holistic nutrition, solar nutrition, um, circadian living, cycle syncing, and then coming home to what does flow actually mean, purpose, passion, pleasure, and play. So – that's my program. It's the first time I'm doing it. I'm going to be offering it again in January, February. So look out on my Instagram. I show up there a lot. I love to connect with women there. So Green Shaker is obviously my Instagram. Or you can go to my website. 
amygreenacre.com and please reach out. I love connecting with people. That's honestly how we connected. So amazing. (laughs) Oh, well, you're such a bright light in the space. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with me today. You can catch a new episode of Wellness Her Way every Monday. I want to hear from you, so please subscribe, leave a review for this podcast, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to follow at Wellness Her Way Podcast on Instagram to connect with me and send in all the questions and topics you'd like to hear about. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this amazing community. I'll see you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.